turning to Psalm 102. And as we think about this psalm, it's got a title that tells us it's the prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. This psalm, written by, well, we don't know, but inspired by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. So as we read this prayer song psalm this evening, the afflicted man is Jesus Christ. This is his prayer. And as we consider these words together this evening, Jesus can handle everything about you. That's good to know, isn't it? Other people might not be able to, but Jesus can handle everything about you. First of all, Jesus can handle your sorrow. We just sung, Man of Sorrows, what a name. Speaking about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What do you think of when you think of somebody, Jesus, being a man of sorrows? In many ways, you can think one of two things. You can think, well, does that just not mean he was miserable? Not the kind of person you'd want to be around? Or do you read that and think, that's wonderful. What a comfort to know he is a man of sorrows. The man of sorrows. I think it was maybe 18 months ago in, in the church in Deeside, we, we went through the book of Jonah relatively briefly. And the comment received a number of times, and I would certainly go along with it, is when we read through Jonah, there's something we can relate to in Jonah. He's very relatable as we read about his little outbursts at times and what he says and how he brings his complaint to the Lord. When we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the relatable man. He's so relevant. This title, a prayer of the afflicted, when he is overwhelmed and poured out his complaint before the Lord. Surely there's just comfort in that title. Before we even get into the psalm, our Lord and Saviour, overwhelmed, bringing his complaint, his lament, pouring it out before the Lord. There will have been times, probably for many of you this evening, and if there haven't, there probably will be, where you've known affliction. Maybe you felt like you're in a dark hole and one of the troubles in that kind of situation is how, how do I convey that to somebody? How do I explain that? And you can reach a point where you think, well, 
you just don't understand. We can never say that of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read this psalm, we're we're given an insight into this man of sorrows, this afflicted man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He does understand. He can handle your sorrow. You don't need to hide your sorrow and affliction from him. You don't need to put on a brave face before him. Sometimes because of our culture and just having to to do things throughout the day, there are times where we do have to put on a brave face before one another and hide our sorrow. And maybe within church life, because of our culture, we do that more than is necessary. But that's that's something for somebody else to cover on another day. But when it comes to our life before our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, we don't need to put on a brave face. We can pour out our complaints. We can come to our loving Heavenly Father as He did, knowing that He understands. We have this wonderful example here of our Saviour Jesus Christ. He's faint, overwhelmed, and he pours out his complaint before the Lord. Maybe in that darkness, if you've experienced it, maybe somebody sent you a message or picked up the phone and called you and and you found yourself talking to somebody who's, who's talking the same language, who understands something of your suffering. Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read this psalm, we see here is somebody who sympathises with us in times of darkness, depression, anxiety, a sense of being overwhelmed, a fellow sufferer who is a tremendous comfort to us, who can handle our sorrow. Sadly, Jesus is often seen as somebody who's a bit out of date. Jesus is the most relevant man there is. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in this psalm. This morning we were in John's Gospel. John's Gospel tells that a great event when Jesus went to Lazarus' home to see Mary and Martha when Lazarus had died and he'd already been in the tomb there on the fourth day. And when he gets there, Martha says to him, Master, If you had been here, you can hear a pain. If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Martha gets Mary. And Mary comes along and says, Master, if only you had been here, the grief, the sorrow, the sadness in that scene. And then as Jesus sees there 
the impact that death has had, the weeping, the wailing. Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he's there and yet none of them think he can do anything about it. And he experiences there what a horrible thing death is. The sorrow of what sin has done. The sadness, the separation, the scar. And surely as he stood there seeing all of that, it would have brought home to him what he himself was going to face, that curse of death. And we see that he's moved. Sorrow, he wept, he was troubled. There was a sense in which he was outraged. He can handle your sorrow. We have a responsibility as Christians, part of a church, to weep with one another. I say this carefully, but one of our things that we like to do, and in many ways it's understandable, when somebody comes to us who's deeply troubled, in affliction and upset, and knowing a period of being very low, so we can think our immediate responsibility is to try and cheer them up. Sometimes our reaction should be just to weep with them, to recognise their sorrow. And as we do so and we share in that privilege, we recognise there's a, there's a greater weeper, the Lord Jesus Christ, who draws near to us and sympathises with us in all of our sorrow. Jesus can handle everything about you. He can handle your sorrow. Jesus can handle your death. And when I say your death, I don't just mean your death. Death that comes into your life that's other people's death. He can handle that death. One of the things that's been brought home to me over the last 18 months is the un-understandableness, and I don't think that's a word, the un-understandableness of death. There's something about it that in a way is a bit beyond our comprehension. We think about this psalm. It proclaims to us a God, verse 12 and 13, particularly verse 12, a God of permanence. And when we think about God, he's eternal, he's everlasting. We get that in the psalms. We the very first verse in the Bible tells us in the beginning, God. God's permanent. It's wonderful when he's, he's referred to as the ancient of days. God is ancient because he's from everlasting to everlasting. And when God does things, he, he builds things in order to last Yet, 
there's death. In God's creation. Verse 3 of this psalm. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like a hearth. Verse 11. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. It's not the same word, but it does bring to mind the book of Ecclesiastes and this sense in the world in which we live that there is a a vanity, a meaninglessness, a futility, a brevity. Life is just like a breath. And yet this is God's world. We're made in his image. How depressing the curses. When death comes, it brings sadness, loss. There's a, there's a seems to be a permanence to it, a finality that, as I say, in many ways, I, I can't quite comprehend. Can he really handle it? Well, yes, he can, because this is his prayer, his complaint, his lament. Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, entered right under and into the curse of death. When Jesus came into this world, his whole life was humiliating. We turn to the first page in the Bible and we we hear his voice speaking, let there be light, and there was light. Of course there was, because he said it. And we see his work of creation. But then we see him being born as a baby and having to depend entirely on his mother and yet at the same time holding up the entire universe. Humiliation. The Lord Jesus Christ was a toddler. He went through adolescence. But there came a time when there was that ultimate humiliation. He prayed in the garden as the shadow of what he was going to endure, hung over him more and more. And he understood the horror of sin. The horror of sin being laid upon him. The, Bible, the Bible's words, he was made to be sin for us. It's, it's treading a tightrope, isn't it? Between, well, it, it just... In being made to be sin, our sin bearer. 
And he experienced it being cut off. His days being cut short. That comes out in this psalm. Verse 23. He shortened my days. And then in verse 24, there's a, there's a heart-wrenching cry here. Oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. The Lord Jesus Christ cut off in the midst of his days. There's something grotesque about this invader death into God's creation. And we see it there in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23 is saying... It was God who did it. He broke, weakened, shortened. Verse 10, earlier on, talks about God's indignation and wrath. You've lifted me up and cast me away. There's something utterly unique about the death of Jesus Christ. He had a, a divine appointment with God's wrath upon the cross. And so we read phrases in the Bible like, the author of life died. The Messiah died. The Word who spoke everything into existence died. This morning we thought about how Jesus is the Son of God. Glorify your Son, he prayed, taking up the words throughout the Old Testament, but, but particularly of Psalm 2, verse 7. You are my Son. But that Son, the Son, died. Taken up, cut off, thrown aside. No half measures. And he felt the bitterness and curse of death like no other. In many ways, that feeds back into the first point. He sympathises with us in the sorrow of death. So he entered right into it. But he knows death. He's tasted its horror. And in the face of it, he pours out this complaint. It's wonderful that the Lord's given us words to help us in our praying and presenting our complaints and concerns and laments before God. But the wonderful thing is, because he died this death. He can handle your death. Because ultimately our death won't be like that. Because he bore that second death for us. To deliver us from that curse. 
So we were able to read those verses at the beginning from Romans 8, about nothing being able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, not even death. But his humiliation didn't even end on the cross because his body, his disembodied body, like a tent, because his soul had been committed into his father's hands. His disembodied body was taken down and handled and placed in a tomb. The kindness and wisdom of God in the fact that Jesus Christ was buried. He experienced a period where his body and soul had separated. Not only does the fact that he was buried mean that there was a tomb to be empty to prove his resurrection, but it gives to us great comfort knowing that he himself entered into that state and realm of death and emerged from it, his body and soul reunited. So, we need not fear death, that state of death, because he has been even there for our sake. He can handle your death. The third thing, this is the last thing, could say so many other things, sorrow and death. But Jesus can handle you forever. It's not like he can handle these things for a while and then it, it runs out. He can handle you forever. As Jesus cried out the words of this complaint... Particularly, perhaps, verse 24. Oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. An answer comes back from heaven. As the Lord Jesus Christ was experiencing the horror of Calvary and his whole who he was, was being questioned. We see Satan at work in the words that were shouted out at him. How cruel they were, if you are the Son of God. Heaven gives its answer as Jesus is mocked. Verses 25 to 27. These are words, it's not clear in the way this psalm is written, perhaps, and presented. But verses 25 and 27, we're hearing a different voice. Hebrews 1 explains that to us and understands this psalm. Speaking of Jesus, who is bringing this complaint, Heaven answers, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. 
talks about him being the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. encourage you to look that up and at the end of Hebrews 1 and see how he deals with this psalm. But the Lord Jesus Christ walked by faith. He's the ultimate man of faith. Our faith is often challenged because what we see and hear and experience and touch with our senses seems so often to contradict the truth How much more so for the Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane, on the cross, in the darkness, suffering the wrath of God. And yet he walked by faith in words such as these. This truth spoken of him about who he is. You, Jesus, laid the foundations and the heavens are the work of your hands. That's your work. Verse 27, what a comfort that is. You are the same and your years will have no end. But he had to walk by faith in that truth and in verse 28 a great future the children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you the Lord Jesus Christ's death securing his people for all eternity Of course he was raised to life because of who he is. His confidence in his loving Heavenly Father as he commits his spirit into his Father's hands. Confident that he wouldn't be abandoned to decay but would be raised and he was. The man of sorrows. And yet joyful. So as we look to this Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 13 and 14. We can have confidence that he sees and hears. We know that our Father in heaven will hear us because we come in the name of Jesus Christ and we know he's heard and seen the Lord Jesus Christ in the deepest affliction. We can be confident that he regards the prayer of the destitute, as verse 17 says, and shall not despise their prayer. Why? Because he heard the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we come in his name. And so as we lament and know affliction and we suffer and we know sadness and we know grief and we're brought to pour out our complaints, our laments to the Lord. We know he hears and he can handle it. The Lord Jesus Christ himself there at his right hand can handle everything about you for all eternity because he's overcome death. He lives. Psalm 102 is a, a great psalm. And as we think about this Lord Jesus Christ tonight, there's no one else that can handle you. No one else can handle your sorrow ultimately. Certainly no one else can handle your death. And for sure nobody can handle you forever. Other than this Lord Jesus Christ. He can be trusted. He must be trusted. This man, this afflicted man, whose lament has been heard in the deepest darkness. We're going to join together in singing, Crown Him with Many Crowns. The fourth verse of this hymn, Crown Him the Lord of Life, who triumphed over the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die.
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.